Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is the pod in the midweek before the last home game, the last regular season game, OU versus TCU. Trying to get to 10 wins, which will be a heck of a milestone, um, but a little bit of a disappointing one as the context plays out. I'm Steve. Lucas. Connor. Jay. And as a reminder, our midweek pods are, of course, brought to us by Fluke Luke Fishing YouTube channel. Fluke Luke Fishing brings you feel-good fishing content and honest reviews of equipment and tackle. Please go watch, like, and subscribe Fluke Luke Fishing on the YouTube. So, guys, we've got a game coming up on a Friday. What time? Um, on, what time on Friday? It's I think it's in the early early morning of 11 a.m. Oh, it's that 11 a.m. thing. Yeah, okay. I would have never guessed. Gotcha. Yeah. So how many is that? It's eight eight this year. Eight It'll this be year, eight, right? And out of 12. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, eight out, out What's of the 12, math on that? A lot. <laughs> too too damn many. Yeah. And it's on Friday, and it's not Bedlam, which would just make sense that we would play on Rivalry Week, the only last rival we have. Yet they didn't schedule it that way for this conference. So both OU and OSU are playing teams that are sort of oddballs for them. And, and really, they didn't know this, but as it plays out, it would have been one hell of a matchup because this would be for a spot, a play-in game, for the Big 12 title, presuming we win and they win against BYU and, and TCU. So this is um, it's kind of a strange move. It, it's almost like the conference doesn't have a clue what they're doing. But... I guess that's just been par for the course. Well, it's funny, short weeks for both, which, again, a lot of this is TV, but short weeks for both OU and Texas uh, mm-hmm. to send us off. Um, the only two, well, two two of the four Big 12s on a short week uh, this week, so that's interesting for sure. Kind of interesting. Um, so it's, it's going to be a, a, an interesting game in a number of respects. Obviously, we're going to recognize some seniors. We're going to have a Don Key Award winner or winners, however they do that. It'll be kind of interesting to see how that shakes out. I hadn't really even thought about that till this moment and mentioning it. I haven't thought about who I would predict would win it. Yeah, um, I meant to bring that up Saturday. I think it's Drake Stoops. Forgot. I think it would be Drake as well. I think it has to be Drake Stoops, right? Now, I, I mean, may do multiple guys, but for yeah, me, it's Drake. It has. He has to at least be one of them. And, um, I mean, I could see you doing the, the deal where they got the two or three guys out there, but, man, I don't know if anybody else is more deserving than, than him. And it's the highest honor a Sooner can get. So... That's coming up. Another thing that will be very interesting, obviously, is who's going to be the quarterback. Are we going to get uh, a return of Dylan Gabriel, or are we going to see Jackson Arnold get the get the reins for the entire game? What do you guys think? What are you hearing? Are you hearing any news about it yet? I haven't heard anything at all, but off of track record that OU's passed, if Gabriel really does have a concussion or even a slight concussion, I don't think there's any way that OU medical team clears him to play this week. I mean, the only thing to maybe uh, counter that is, is Brent in his press conference mentioning that both uh, Gabriel and Farouk look like they're in good shape to play on Friday. Um, so I don't know how much of that is Venables just kind of walking the, the company line and saying, oh, our, our, our guy is good, and he rolls him out there for warm-up, warm-ups. And <laughs> yeah, then can we roll back. back and see what he said in the so, Texas game yeah, before yeah. We, um, last week? To uh, Jay's point, year. I'd be surprised if it was a concussion – it would be a six-day rest, not even a full six because of when he got injured in the game. Um, and that would be, for this staff, the shortest time frame um, that anybody could come back, has come back from a concussion-type injury. Um, so, Not to mention multiple 
for him for mul- yeah multiple times that he's been concussed so if it truly was a full-blown concussion like we all think it is I would be surprised to see Dylan start on on Friday yep same here so part of that is and I don't know if they would look at it this way we've criticized last in the post game some coaching decisions along these lines but he's not warming up or, or playing with the ones he may be watching what they're doing but presumably he's not taking the snaps and actually executing walking through the plays so you've got to think from that standpoint he can't be possibly as prepared now maybe your starting quarterback and whatever edge he has on jackson arnold in their eyes exists but he is would, would be coming in unless he can get back into full warm-ups somewhat cold right and so that's that's got to be a concern i i, I don't know, know i don't know if when he played that much football if that matters or not but i would imagine it matters when you talk about game preparation for this specific opponent then again, it is a, a Jeff Lebby offense, so I don't know how much they actually look at game look at film, film and prepare yeah. for specifically what they're going to face from a defense versus just come out there and, and wing it with whatever is in the arsenal of what they think they want to do. Well, what do we, what do we want to happen? I want to see Jackson Arnold, uh, partially because I don't think Dylan Gabriel could likely be safe and ready. I, I think about his own safety, and I think that they're going to make a good decision as far as that goes, but... I worry about a guy coming back in that situation. I really hate for him that he's going to miss his last game on his home field as a Sooner. And it's revenge. Presumably. And a revenge game for when he got knocked out, right, last year. But, you know, selfishly, I want to see Jackson Arnold. I've wanted to see Jackson Arnold for a while. I I want to see the future. I want to see um, as much playing time and practice as he can get. I think it is significant. I've heard some other people say they don't think it's significant. I think it's absolutely ludicrous absolutely it's significant to get actual playing time do we think he gets to run the full offense with quarterback run and everything if gabriel's out and knowing the bevels your your backup i think you have to go all out for this game yeah i do too you, you don't hold back i don't because either. no there's no holding back for this and you they didn't against byu right because there's nothing left after this game yep other than maybe the well the bowl game it's an important game yeah per- i mean perception wise momentum wise getting to 10 wins and you're not technically out of it so that's right it's for the conference and you won't be is is the texas game that it's after it is after it's yep. right after so you yep. definitely have to go all out because yep. you don't know what you don't happening. know what's yep. going to happen now i think i think you have to feel that way and obviously the oklahoma state game against byu is after so for all the reasons you have to go all out you can't play scared you can't play safe it's not like you've got a lot to prepare for it'd be different if this were a concussion that happened after the texas game and you're you're saying we're going to play it safe got six more games afterwards yeah and you're still working on an undefeated record so this is totally different um i want to see jackson arnold i've got high high hopes um i think what we saw with admittedly some freshman type moves in in the byu game he did some excellent things check down to the slant routes um hitting guys he threw a guy open over the middle i guess it was farouk on that one as well and that was just something we haven't seen all year. Big third downs. Big, big third down pickups. And, and I mean, a, we and iced a great five and a half with, minutes off the clock to finish the game. And running, that, you know, which I couldn't which, tell you which we, we did didn't that. do with right. Gabriel in no. anything that I, any moment that I can remember. Yeah. Well, and there's something to be said too with with how Jackson looked. There's something to be said knowing you're going to be the starter going into the game, as opposed to coming in midway through a game and possibly and, and not not really expecting that as you go into the stadium. So. 
if Jackson Arnold gets that full week of prep and knows he's the starter, I think you start seeing some of those nerves calm a little bit earlier. Um, I think you see some. I mean, look at the look at the throw against Tulsa that he makes when he is coming in where where the game is no obviously in hand, no pressure. Not saying that there's not pressure going into a game, but to know and to have the confidence that you are going to be the starter on game day. And you're not going to get replaced and if something bad happens. Exactly. It, it should, I mean, some of those things that we saw on Saturday hopefully will subside. I'm not saying we're not going to see some freshman, you know, attributes or maybe even mistakes, um, but that's all part of it. I think what he can do successfully um, could definitely outweigh what those mistakes might present. I think as fans, too, we underestimate the position he was really put in because we just expect the five-star kid to come off the bench and just, just roll with it, right, just as smooth as can be. But the weather wasn't good. The field wasn't good. Conditions were it's very It's a tie ball stressful. game. You yeah. just found out. You've got 20 minutes to prepare for it. Um, you're, on the ro- and you're on the road. You're on the road. You're on the road. You're on the yeah, road. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a lot. And on the road. And he was looked, you know what, it was wild how calm he looked. Oh, that one throw, the, the first so third down, he had a guy wrapped people, around his leg. Yeah, there are people at his feet, and he's just like, well, he not doesn't have happy feet. Not he's not dancing. He's not leaving too early. And I don't think he's like in La La Land about it. He just knows, nope. I don't have to panic about this. Well, the huge run he had that Stogner did the boneheaded shove in the back, that was like a 25-yard gain. Yeah. And he looked like he'd been doing it forever. I yep. mean, he looked like he was still in high school on that play. Like it's, yeah, exactly. And, you know, all of that with what we think is a handicap of your offensive coordinator, who, especially on the road, seems to play tight, seems to play um, with one hand tied behind his back, where he won't open up his game plan, won't think aggressively when he needs to be aggressive. He overmanages it. Overmanages it. Um, Jay, you were pointing out something really good about the running game. Uh, relate that. Well, everyone has been all season long against BYU. Their linebackers and stuff have been confused when you pull your guards and tackles or you do a, a gap scheme type of runs. And so, of course, naturally, almost entirely the first half, we choose to do a zone <laughs> blocking scheme and weren't that successful with the run at all. And we changed it up in the second half, I guess, to Levy's praise, if you want to call it. Uh, and what do you know? Sawchuck starts to get 7.6 yards of carry in the second half. Yeah. It, He's just come along so well. Out. I mean, look at what we were talking about, you know. Not with, to interrupt, but 14 carries. Yeah. I mean, the guy's yeah. been tearing it up, and he finishes a game with 14 carries. Yeah. Against a terrible rush defense. Yeah. No, he's just – he's just another indictment. He's been outperforming um, – all of the backs, and, and given you've had Walker with a, a little bit of a, an injury, but um, what he's been able to do the past few weeks uh, is promising to look ahead. And I hope, Jay, to your point, we can we can look at the schemes that are working against TCU, and, and we actually go with what's on film, and not this uh, preconceived, pre-written playbook that Lebby has to check off to to make sure that he gets in the plays that he thinks are going to work because. Um, Gavin is just running so well right now. Yeah, you just wonder if the coaches just outthink themselves. Like, wow. I think there's one I know coach that they've been getting gashed, and they know they've been getting gashed on all the gap schemes. So they're never going to expect that we're going to come out and just run zone on them all day. I don't know. <laughs> but you haven't seen, and also, I mean, so after we had the speculation about um, 
maybe DeMarco not having as much say in the in the rotations as what we thought um, or as what maybe Brent alluded to a few weeks ago. You haven't seen those those three three and fours coming in. You haven't seen the smothers of the world coming in. You haven't seen Barnes for a snap or two. Um, no one it really seems like he's going with the workhorse and in Sawchuck. And then come in to yeah, spell him. And yeah, and Tawi has come in to yeah, relieve some of that and he's pro- he proved effective last week as well. Had a couple of strong runs um, that counted and that we needed in, in some crucial spots there too. So overall, I mean we we've focused on a lot of criticisms but that is one area where we have been able to improve over the last few weeks, and it's been a, a little bit of a breath of fresh air amongst a lot of other frustrations. I love watching Tawi run. Um, it's I, insane. It's hard to, to split up. If The problem is you're not running the ball enough, in my opinion, and if you did, you should still be able to get Sawchuck 20 carries and get Tawi 10 or 12 instead of 14 and 4 or whatever it was last game. Um, when, when Walker's on the field, all he does is make plays. He doesn't have a bunch of one- or two-yard runs because his yards after contact is great. So most of the time, he's not going to break a 60-yarder, but he's good for six or eight and the occasional 10 or 12 pretty regularly because he's, he's getting past the first line of defense and making two guys tackle him six yards down and the field. And it's an indictment on Levy's balance, right? I mean, we, we, he gets the criticism after the, the Kansas game of – hey, you're not letting Dylan throw the ball down the field enough and letting your wide receivers go make plays. What do we see? A ton of throws, a ton of throws downfield, even when they're not open, and you start, um, you know, evading the run game. Overcorrection. It, it, it's just, it is. He, he's pulling he's the wheel back way too hard. Exactly. So, um, and the the coaches and everything else can say, oh, we don't listen to the 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 media or we don't listen to the critici- the outside criticisms or the outside noise. B.S., like, that is what everybody's saying, and what do we see the next week? The exact thing that everybody's saying, yeah. and Jay, exactly what you said, an overcorrection in that area where you aren't giving the running backs that have proven themselves over the last few weeks the carries that they deserve and that they should be getting to put us in better spots. Well, I'll go a step further than what you guys are saying and what Lucas said. Tawee could break a 60-yarder. Every running back needs multiple carries to get there. I don't know if he's fast enough to break very a 60 Very rare, my, very my rarely. I, I guarantee you he could. <laughs> If you gave him 20, yard, 20 carries a game, one of those is going to be for a significant break. It may not, he may not run away speed and, and leave everyone in the dust, but that's what has to happen. You have to have a lot of at-bats. And we have yet the entire season to have one running back have enough at-bats to have a rhythm or a chance to get down and do that very thing. Back in the days of Barry Sanders, he would get 30 carries a game. Not every one of those carries was for 60 yards, but you give him the ball enough, he's going to break one on you. And so the same thing we saw with Salchuk with 14 carries, he finally broke one that was really big. He's breaking tackles and getting yards after contact. I think the same thing would happen with Tawee. Anybody that's a good enough running back to be your running back is going to be able to do that. We just had to pick a guy and run with him and run with schemes and blocking schemes that we're going to actually open up holes and give them production and give them a chance we just haven't done that all season and I mean I think speed wise I mean I don't I don't think Kennedy Brooks was the fastest running back in not the world. at all I think he was no. patient and he had good um and vision he had lots of carries and had a lot of carries I think if he if, had elite vision I think he had if, long strides he too. did I think if Walker could find a way maybe not to get hit one or two times at the line and could get into the second level where that first contact is coming, 
that's when you see those opportunities Again, to break that comes off. With experience. It does, and, and lots of time. Yeah. So oh, and good blocking, and good blocking, <laughs> and, good and, blocking. And, and good block schemes. Right. So all of it works together, and you can't develop any of that. I mean, as a, if I were to defend the offensive line, I'd say, hey, give me some chances in game time to learn what we're doing on run blocks. I've got to acquaint myself with this guy that I'm trying to defend and how he, his speed and his technique so that I can actually figure out how to get an edge on him. I'm just not going to walk in and be able to do it. I'm going against other FBS-level opponents at a supposed Power 5 conference level. But you've also got what we talked about and complained about plenty of times with the speed offense that we run is you're not allowing the offensive line to catch their breath to blow guys off the ball and because it's we went directly from a run and then – Five seconds later, we're throwing a pass, and then 15 seconds later, we're, we're running the ball again. And those guys don't get a chance to catch your breath and reset and try to come off the ball hard because they're gassed. You know, and I think that's a great point. I'll give you another one. I don't think we have enough time to figure out the play call. How, Unless everything is totally scripted, and their script sucks, I don't know how you can think I'm going to dial up the next play that's just going to work. Why do you think that's just going to work? And we've seen we haven't had just... You know, back in the Kevin Wilson days of the speed offense, that worked. This isn't working. It's not like we're putting together a sequence of plays that catches you off guard and you don't know what to do. It's like, I think the guy's got three things in his head of what he might do out on a on a second and two, and he just runs one of the – it doesn't take long well, for a defensive coordinator to figure that out. Well, we still have to check with me off, offense, too. Yeah, exactly. That's you get everybody up at the line, yeah. and then the quarterback looks over the sideline to see if they need an audible or not. Right. right. That's at least giving your, your offensive line another five or eight seconds and worth of – And giving you, as an offensive coordinator, a, a chance to figure out what you want to do. Exactly. Well, because you can – once the de- once your offense is on the line and you see what the defense has done, you look over the sideline, and you should be able to, from the box, audible down, and they say, no, go with that second play that we called in the huddle because – Nowadays, everybody's calling two plays in the huddle, at least the good good offensive coordinators are, and they say, you know, check to the other one. And then based on what the defense is showing, because you've given yourself time to get set. Yeah, because all the defenses are doing are rushing to their, their base Position. formation positions. And so if you're calling a random play, I guess if you're going to assume that they're just going to be in their base formations, then you could have a second play ready to go that quickly. But it hasn't proven to be the case. Right, it doesn't seem to be. There's, there's no, there, and there is no, there is no. To Lucas, to your point, there is no checks on those on that on that tempo that we have right now. Not it's, much. it's Gabriel gets the line. I, from what I've seen, at least in the the, the high tempo stuff, it's. I'm looking at my center. I'm making sure everybody's set, and he's snapping the ball. Like, that's all it is. There's no, oh, actually, this linebacker isn't where I thought he was going to be. What do you guys want me to check into? Yep. Um, and that that has to happen. I mean, there, there is no, like you said, like, you can script everything up to a point. But that script, if it's, it looks like it's so easily broken with us. Well, look what we did on the final, the final clinching drive. Jackson Arnold's got everybody up at the line. He, he recognizes because they said they practice it in week if, all week that if they get the zero, that he can audible to that slant. And so when everybody was standing at the line, he saw where everybody was, and he knew that that slant route was open, and he audible to it, and it sealed the game. But if you're running tempo crazy, you're, you're not getting those plays. You're not getting the audibles in. So how much of it is an indictment yeah. on Lebby, and how much, how much of it is it an indictment on Gabriel? Because when you say is Gabriel not comfortable offense, doing you don't that? have enough time, 
that would sound like it's, it's Levy and his basic scheme, but when you look at a backup coming in and making that call, where we've seen in key positions, Dylan Gabriel doesn't make that call. We were going slow because is we're it, burning clock at that point still, too. So the, all the times it didn't happen, is it Dylan Gabriel? But yeah, does Gabriel? It, does Ga- we letting, if, should we let Levy off the hook a little bit? It's Gabriel. I don't think so. Is I've, Gabriel in that same fast. spot? If Gabriel's in that same spot that Arnold's in to check to that zero, does Gabriel make the check? I think he does, but he throws the ball behind him. Maybe yeah. so, but he, yeah, I don't know how many times he's. Yes, he, true. He throws true. it to that front shoulder instead of that back shoulder, <laughs> or down. It, it. it may be intercepted. He doesn't have that momentum to get that first down. And yeah. that, that's a that's a very legitimate criticism based on evidence, lots of evidence. He literally. But threw I it also perfect. don't don't believe. I don't know this, but I don't believe he's checked down into things like that throughout the season. I'll be surprised actually if he's done that that check down, and that would say. Maybe we're a little too harsh on Levy and need to recognize it. Nope, it's Dylan Gabriel. I mean, we all we all we all commented on it when it happened, when Jackson Arnold puts both fists in the air and checks to the zero. It's like, oh my gosh, look! I mean, he taps his right hip. Jackson looks Arnold's checking. Taps. He's checking. Yeah. Like it was noticeable. But I don't we also had time, time because that we've done that with Gabriel. We're running. We're trying to get the play clock down inside of five before you snap. I know, it. but there's no way. All that the other times are just too. There's fast. no way that they're like, "Hey, Jackson, you can See? check and get in." Dylan, we want you to just go and run the play. I yeah. think it's a flat-out bad scheme. So, and it has so, been for two seasons. Well, wait. Though. So, in in the totality of this situation, how much do you put on Lebby and how much do you put on Dylan Gabriel? Seventy-five Lebby, twenty-five Dylan. I'd say. 85-15, Levy. I just think this scheme sucks. I, I would I would have to put it more like Connor, 75-25. Um, it's not 50-50, but... A lot of it is also it's Levy not Gabriel developing... It's not developing his quarterback enough to say, hey, it's okay to look up. Or it's okay, like, yeah. unless Levy's just sitting there saying, well, hey, well, what we're running is what we're running, and you're going to go do it. Or Gabriel's not capable of it. Well, and that's, I think when you're running that fast, you don't give, you're not giving Gabriel the chance they're to not, all oh, They're not always running that fast. One of our pre-snap penalties um, was trying to go so fast that Gabriel didn't look off to the right and see if Farouk was set. set. Yeah. And I remember specifically watching, um, when I went back to on the replay, um, we were in a hurry-up situation that's at on Gabriel, some point though. in the game. And... DG was checked, or um, Jackson Arnold looked. He looked at that receiver. He looked at that receiver who was just now getting set up, and then he was ready. So, so that's, I thought that that's was pretty Dylan heads Gabriel. up. That's yeah. pretty heads up on the. That's on the a freshman. difference on the quarterback. So I, I think it, it won't surprise me, if we look exceptionally better. One, we're at home, and two, I think Jackson Arnold's that much better. And it, this may be the game that helps Levy keep his job. As a result. I hope not. I think it's a game. I hope not too. I think it's a game that could. Uh, no, I hope it's uh, a really uh, good job. And I, I, hope, I hope we I score hope a bunch of points, but I hope <laughs> it's not enough to keep his job. Yeah. No, I, it could be a, in, an audition just to show. And that'd be great. That, that'd yeah. be great too. So let's we're, let's stop dancing around the the campfire and jump on in here. What what do we think is going to happen to Levy at the end of the season? I still think after. I mean, we've talked about it, and it, we've had time to summer. I said it at dinner tonight. The the more that time has gone on the more that I feel like he's going to be here next season. Yep, me too. Um, I I think a lot of my criticisms... Is while, it 50-50 or worse? I would say... I think 50-50 is actually pretty good, honestly. I think it's a toss-up at this point. I think if he goes and gets a, a job offer like Mississippi State, um, he's he's gone, obviously. But I don't think Zach Selman's that dumb. 
I I don't know if it comes down to that. It may I don't know. Where it, where Levy really can get a job is when those other jobs start to fill, right? Let's say you get a Coastal Carolina coach takes the Mississippi State job, and then that's a position that someone like a Levy could really take over. You know what I mean? Yep. Steve, what um, do you put it at? Because I have one more follow-up question to that, kind of attack on that. I like the 50-50 number. Um, I think that's a safe number. It's a good baseline number. There's a lot of impetus and a lot of um, frustration with Levy. It, it stems from many things, but not not exclusive of the Art Bryles situation from earlier in the year and the reaction that Levy had to it, um, the behavior at that point. I think that it's not for nothing that there's significant people and significant voices saying they're ready for a change. Um, it's tough to read the tea leaves, though, of all that. So I put it at 50-50. Yeah. I think, I think Brent's in a tough spot because you can't, you know, undervalue the importance of what next season is and who you're going to have coaching and leading Jackson Arnold for your football team. Uh-huh. And if he has any doubt that Levy's not the guy, he has got to go. I mean, any and you want to do it now with what you've got coming in and the momentum you're building, trying to get to that next level. You kind of got to get, I mean, you don't have to do it now, but it helps a lot if you do it now versus let's prove that he's bad and then kind of set hit reset and put everything you're trying to do one to two years back, right? What were we going to say? Yeah, what's your a whole point? different topic, or should I? No, it's, no it's, it's a tack on, really. I mean, is there any scenario that Jeff Levy leaves this job for? anything less than a head coaching job. Does he go and be an offensive coordinator somewhere else? Only if Venables tells him to. Yeah. If yeah. it's a firing, like a face. straight up firing, like, hey, or like, hey, like you need to go. Like, yeah. We're not going to continue this it's relationship. It's not going to look ugly, but yeah. I think the only way that happens is solely based on the Bryles situation and not based on offensive results for this year because they're going to go back and look and, oh, well, you're top 15 in the country in efficiency and you're top 25 in – touchdowns and you're you know they're going to go through all the stats and they're going to say well look we've improved over last year by a bunch um now you're adding a new quarterback to hopefully improve us even more and we've got our running backs figured out now and you know these guys are coming in and all this other stuff we've got a guy like Petaway that we didn't even use this season that we think he's really special and that the only way that I think Lebby looks bad to them is the Bryle situation. So, and I think that weighs heavily. I don't know if I'd make it that stark. I think that, I think that it's most likely in the scenario that he gets another job. I think it's like eighty-five fifteen that he got fired. I, I don't think that he goes and finds another job. Maybe 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 you not quite that bad. Maybe it's seventy-five twenty-five. I mean, in any case, any case. In any case, it's mutual, and I think they're they're helping him out the door because they've already done a lot to to try and keep him when he was on under high demand, supposedly, where Alabama wanted him. So I think if they want to make a change, they want to make a change, and they help find him a job. I think it's very, very unlikely that Jeff Levy is looking for employment come August of 2024. I think that it's very likely that he is found another job the way that other people have been found another job in the past. So I guess a question sort of for us and for, for what Lucas is saying, are you saying that Brent Venables is more like Bob Stoops and less like Nick Saban? And I'm saying that in a in a negative fashion that he's got an attribute of Bob Stoops that was bad versus a Nick Saban 
who makes changes when they need to be made versus Bob Stoops. A little too loyal, a little too... Yeah, too loyal. Stuck with guys when he shouldn't have. Really only stuck with Mike um, when he came back for too long. He stuck with Norvell too long. Norvell, yeah, I mean, he was a wide receivers coach, so he wasn't the offensive coordinator. he, He... I mean, he, he really made the, was. He made the move. He made he the was, super hard move to get rid of Heupel. And it was like, and he knew his job was on the line in the future if he didn't make the move with Heupel. Yeah, he didn't make the move with Chuck Long. I don't think until he I had to say do it. Chuck Long too, it was and, little... and it was too late. And well, Chuck Long was a good offensive coordinator, except in second halves he got too tight. How and different that, is he than Levy? Though, that honestly. Well, Chuck Long was good at least for a half. <laughs> See, I think you don't give Levy enough credit. Chuck Long had a hell of a lot more to work with. Than Jeff Levy has, has had to work with. Here's I mean, Le- Levy also didn't know doesn't know how to go win games. Like Levy can, I mean, we've seen as much criticism as, as we've had of this offense, and given we we're not putting up the points that we should be putting up, but we've been in positions the last two years with leads or with uh, opportunities to put games away in the second half that he cannot cash in on. Here's it, something we haven't really talked about. Um, the timing of it's also really important because as good as we think Arnold is or could be or is going to be, what if Levy just has another mediocre year next year, right? Mm-hmm. That leaves you bringing in somebody new to, next year. To figure out Jackson Arnold. And Jackson or maybe Arnold his last year, right, which isn't right. good for the team. It's not good You're for right. Arnold. It's not it good for anything. It would be. It would be. So, yeah. like, do you make a move now just so that you have – continuity for two two seasons of Jackson Arnold because now I'm being a huge homer here but if you look at the recruiting classes and the roster and the the, the amount of young guys are playing right now next year is going to be a rough year not that it couldn't be good but I think it's going to be middle of the road but 2025 you've got a lot of these freshmen and sophomores that are going to be upperclassmen I think 25 is a real year It'd be a downer to have everything you've got coming back, especially defensively and offensively with Jackson Arnold, to then be like, oh, here's a new system. Well, and you don't want to run into the – I mean, it's it's a little different. Um, it's exactly what Lincoln Riley ran into this year. It's the exact issue that he had. He waited too long to make the change that he should have made, arguably, three years ago. Makes it midseason in the year that's that – if he makes his defensive coordinator – coordinator change in the middle of last season and fires Grinch who knows what USC could be with a new DC could have been with a new DC this year I guarantee you they're not seven and five I mean with with any sort of competence on the defensive side yeah, of the ball scoring 45 a game yeah, so even with even without the strength training we all think they need just with a better more confident DC they've won at least one maybe two maybe three more games yeah. and, and who knows and the close games that they're in they're probably not as close as what yeah. they what they were so i that's a really good different um, angle to look at that jay and i i hope that if levy comes back i hope it's more of a oh man like levy's got this thing figured out as opposed to crap like yeah, we but, we waited too long but then what happens is say you go to the SEC next year everything looks good let's say we go 9 and 3 cuz it's a pretty tough schedule um and then Levy gets a job somewhere else because the offense looked really good. How's that any different than yeah. him and underperforming? And you have to get you, you have, have to, to get somebody new anyway. But I mean, that's a better but problem. If, to but have, if you though. do it now, I don't think whoever you bring in with one year under your belt 
is going to go get a job next year. I don't know what happens all the time in college football. No, very rare at this level. No, I don't think not so. Not one season. Not one good season. Not not, the not only with one I could Joe, Joe Brady went one good season at LSU, and next thing you know, he's at the Carolina Panthers. Well, yeah. I mean, it happens. It happens, but it's rare. But it's also this rare whole at that level. Trying to have Jackson Arnold learn a new system in a year. I don't buy any. I don't buy any of that. Jalen Hurts came in from a completely different offense. Came in. And one year, finished second in the Heisman. Yeah, I'll give Lincoln credit. Lincoln. I mean, he's a he special was, player. Lincoln's an incredible offensive Not a coordinator. freshman. Well, he wouldn't be a freshman. He would be well, what, a junior okay, a sophomore. At that point. Well, no, because oh, next year's going to be a sophomore. Yeah. The year after. Right. So, if Levy stays another year, the offense looks pretty good. He takes a job somewhere else. There's nothing to be scared of bringing in another offensive coordinator and having to – and Jackson Arnold learning a new system. It's not that big of a deal because when you're going to make that, so he's, he's going to take a job in December, and then you're going to hire your, your offensive coordinator in December, and you're going to have all the way until September before you play a game. It's not hard for the quarterback. So to you're learn not as worried about Levy staying. Then. No, he's advocating for Levy to leave now. No, but he's not as worried about it because he says it, I'm saying in that second year it's not a big deal to replace. Yeah, him. because I think if he does come in and and has a bad year, he's gone. If he comes in and has a great year, he's gone. Yeah, you're saying to Jay's point that it could – either way, if he's gone, it's – I guess yeah, I, put, I I put don't think it's that weight. hard of a deal. In 20, the year you're talking about, 2025, it's not that big a deal to have a new offensive coordinator come in and people relearn offense. I'll Baker had seven little, offensive coordinators in I'll agree in with you a little seasons. bit as long as it's – In the pros. Similar structure of an offense. I mean, you can't just bring in a coordinator that's just completely off what you do. Well, what and, you haven't done all through high school. But and you're not gonna, if at this at this level, you're not gonna change things. You're not Brent's not gonna hire someone that says, "Hey, actually, we're gonna go completely away from every single thing that you I guys don't know, have done." You might be if he's really good. You, yeah, you get the guy. You don't get a guy to fit your quarterback who's gonna be here for one year. Right. You, you don't get a guy. To but how? But how different is that system actually gonna be? Because the systems are so similar now. Like with with the successful teams, if you look across the board, what they're running is relatively the same. With a great quarterback behind center and throwing the ball around the yard. Like you're not gonna the system itself. While it may be different, it's not gonna be this flip flop of a night and day thing where Jackson's like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen any of this before in my life. No, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a tweak here, a tweak there. Learn a new verbiage. Yeah, I mean it's not that big a deal. I did have somebody tell me that that the Carl Albert coach is really tight with Levy. I don't know what the connection is of where that came from, but that could be helpful. It's why we've got four commits and possibly a fifth on Carl Albert's squad right now. And three of which are on offense, one is on defense. Um, to me, that's you, that worries you, me that you were letting the tail wag the dog, though. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say, "Well, we need to keep Levy because we right. got these three or four guys coming in." Right. That's going to help us in 2025 when Levy could take a job after the 24 season a, if it's good or bad. I think a lot of those concerns stem from Lincoln scarring us so much in terms of just what he took with him when he left and the the impact that he had on those. And again, it's completely different. Like that's a head coach here. It's the the leader of your program, but at the He's same time, he was the OC as well, and he had all of these, I think, shallow level, you know, connections. I think that what Brent is establishing across the board, these kids aren't talking to one coach. And yeah, Lebby right now may be a point of contact and may have a, a, a solid relationship with these kids. You have to hope that something has changed to an extent where you have an Emmett Jones who's also has a relationship and a DeMarco Murray and a Brent Venables himself who has relationships with these kids who are saying like, Hey, 
yeah, Jeff's leaving, but you know we're solid. Like we've we've yeah. got our guys. We've if got not, our culture. If not, you haven't done your job. Exactly. So I mean, and and that's the thing. Lincoln did not do his job in no. that area at no, all. I don't. I don't think Saban worries about losing a coordinator and then like, oh, well, what about the recruits on that side of the ball? No. Like there's none. Yeah, no. they are Alabama. They're on a different level than us. But recruiting. Yeah, but we're not. It's not and, that far. And culturally, down. But not that the Venables will be different. able to say to an offensive player. Look at the strides we've made in defense over the last two, three seasons, whatever whatever point we're talking about. And you're going to be able to get the ball a lot because our defense is going to turn it over. They're going to be giving you good yard, good you know short yards. You're going to score a ton of points because our defense is going to be so good. You want to come play here. It, yeah, it's the antithesis of what Lincoln had to sell yeah. all of his players. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, come here. You're gonna we're have to gonna win score games. fifty points a game, and we're gonna need you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, you're gonna play all sixty minutes. Now yeah. it's now it's gonna be we're gonna give up twenty points a game, and you're gonna get the ball in your hands a bunch, and you can go score forty every game. Well, well and you hear it too with some of the players. Like, I mean, you have a Danny Stutzman who's on his podcast saying, right now, we are Oklahoma. If you don't want to play for us, we're gonna go find someone who does, and we're gonna win. And that's the mindset that not and only that must be coming from from others, if not the top. Right, and that's that's the mindset that you want to say. I think there is a core buy-in that all of these, not just coaches, but even the players that they're going to get, are expected to have. And I definitely think that was lacking. I, I think it was an all about me type of thing. And, and given there's going to be a lot of, you know what is best for me in some of these decisions, whether or not they stay or they go, et cetera. But, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting in a couple of weeks of who decides to return, how much you see that culture established. I mean, if you have a Billy Bowman coming back, if you have a Danny Stutzman coming back, where those two guys could go get drafted. In the past... Dejon Terry. Dejon Terry. You could see... You're going to see those guys leave because they don't want to be here because it sucks. Like Kenneth Murray. Yeah, and I think if we would have had a great defense, at, Kenneth Murray comes back another year, and he's a top. It's every defender we've had for pick. a decade. Yeah, and I think like, these guys will I'm stay. Bounced. I think yeah. that's the flip. Yeah, I think they will, and you may see guys on offense too. I think it'll come down to two things with Levy. I think it'll come down to his personal relationship with the program, meaning Brent Venables and the administration, like you say, Lucas. And I think it's going to come down to what does Brent Venables think about if he is or isn't the guy who can get it done, and that's. You're going to have to see into the mind of Brent Venables to figure all that out. And that'll be, I don't know if anyone's going to know that outside of him. He may not even know it. He may not have taken the time yet to really, truly, completely evaluate this. I think he knows the issues at hand, but that decision may already be made because of whatever happened with the Art Bryle stuff. Or because he already saw enough of what he's seen in nearly two full seasons to say this isn't the guy. I would think Brent Venables knows right now if he would tell us how I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I mean, think he they does watch too. so much film. They go over stuff. You, he's very careful with his words, but he has thrown a couple little shots in there, post game mm-hmm. and weekly press mm-hmm. conferences after our losses. That, um, but it still may be on the fence, and he doesn't know yet. Oh, and it may be. It may be a, hey Jeff, I want to give you every, every opportunity to, to succeed. Prove I it. see. I see some deficit, and I see some areas that if you don't improve, I'm gonna have to move on, yeah. and. If you prove to me that you can fill those voids, yeah, let's give this a go in the SEC. If not, we got to go find someone. And this might not matter, but it's really strange, too, that Levy doesn't 
seem to fit our culture exactly. I agree. Because he doesn't fall on the sword. Mm -mm. And I wonder what that does to his offense. I wonder what that does when his head coach sees him not do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Multiple, Multiple games. Yeah. I mean, both losses, both critical games that are keeping us out of or have an outside shot of getting in the conference. You know, the first words out of his mouth at those press conferences were like, I didn't do good enough. I've got to do better. Right. I've got to watch more film. No, no, Levy. When he gets like, like, I've got to do these things. It's on me. Yeah. That's what he should be saying. Right. And he didn't. Right. And And that's what he's not saying. He said, well, when. When uh, Gabriel threw the interception at Kansas, that was an RPO. I should have just called a run play. Essentially, I should have taken it out of his hands because he made a bad move. You don't say that. You say, I should have called a better game. I got too conservative because I didn't think we could throw the ball very well in the conditions. So that's on me. And you don't say that in a Brent Vittable system in particular. So, yeah, that's probably true. And maybe maybe he took away the, the Monday press conferences for those coordinators because he didn't want to hear any more out of Jeff Lebby saying that stuff. He'd heard enough. Yeah. And maybe he thought it was doing a detriment to his players to hear Jeff Lebby say that kind of stuff. I definitely think that's what happened. So that's a big knock against Lebby and a big boost for the probability that he gets replaced. You also get the problem where kind of Nebraska did with head coaches where, you know, Bo Pelini's winning nine games every season. Well, you know, Frank Solich was going 10 and two. That's not good enough. Let's bring somebody in. They bring in Pliny. He was pretty solid, nine and threes, eight and fours. And then they go, well, that's not good enough for Nebraska. Let's bring in somebody else. And so they just rotated through head coaches, you know, every three or four years because it wasn't good enough. Are we in the situation where Brent's like, there's got to be somebody better out there, but I'm not sure who it is, so we're going to stick with him? Or is it we ha- we definitely can find a better better person let's go get him because you're wanting him to do the nebraska move of getting rid of somebody you're not wanting him to retain levy and i i think i mean and you look at the nebraska situation as well and you can look at other schools at the end of the day records are great and at a but at a school like oklahoma trophies matter titles matter and playing for titles playing for titles matter. we haven't been in osu is going to go to more title games in the last four four seasons than us potentially Um, very easily potentially yeah. yeah so and as of right now, the yeah. last three seasons, they, they've been there more than us. So um, it's, it's frustrating, I, I think. But at the same time, Lucas, to your point, I hope, I hope there's not that. Because at Oklahoma, you can go get someone better. If you lose a guy, you can go get someone. And there, there are better options out you would there, think. I think. You would think. Well, I don't I, – I, and I would disagree to the point where a head coach and an offensive coordinator are, are pretty too far ends of the spectrum as it – comes to replacing them yeah i think there's a whole bunch of offensive coordinators around the country that would have come in to our players in this system and been like oh yeah well i mean and will now especially lincoln riley was i mean successful at ecu he was from ecu like there are those guys out there that exist right that are running solid offenses i mean crap what's the guy james madison doing i mean it's stuff like that so i mean it's you you're gonna really see and actually, you're hopefully going to see the head coaching side of Brent Venables through all of this, right? It has if, to be. If, if he not, makes if he makes a decision bad. to keep Levy and there's success, or if he makes a, the decision to go away from Levy and there's success, Venables has to step up as a head coach and make these decisions. And he has to get away from the defensive side and look at his program holistically to be able to say, is what we have right now going to pose success 
next year in a much, much tougher conference yeah, against much tougher opponents. It could opponents. be really hard to gauge Levy's growth next year, right? right? You've got a new quarterback. You've got a new conference. So how hard is it going to be to see if there really was progression on Levy's part? I mean, it's uh, Venables, Venables has a really tough. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's, said, a, it's, it's a tough for? decision. What, what is the what? Yeah, what are you looking for? What what is going to be the benchmark at that point to make a decision that's any different than the decision you're going to make right now? Which makes it even more so like towards the fifty fifty that I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Around, I could see it going either way. I mean, I'd say right now you've had the same quarterback for two years in the same conference, and if it's not in your gut. If this isn't it, you've got to change. You've got to make a change. Well, speaking of making a change, you're going to head coaches. Speaking of decisions to be made and opportunities, where will Lincoln Riley go next, and when's he going to make that move? Any predictions? I know one guy who's had a prediction early on. How do you feel about your prediction, Lucas? Not as good because of how bad their season went and how everybody knew that Grinch wasn't the guy following last season and he didn't make the move. That will scare a couple NFL teams off, I think, but – there, there will be enough job openings that I think Lincoln takes an NFL job. I'm saying there's an 85% chance that Lincoln is still the head coach at USC next season. And out of everything that they're trying to do with hiring a defensive coordinator, I think they said something as early as the end of this week, potentially having someone lined up. Um, I think there is a strong indication, and Lucas, to your point, he may have kind of coached himself out of a couple of jobs just by how he finished the year and how... And the, not just how he finished the year record-wise, but how, how everything went, yeah, right? He handled... The back half of the year, he handled was so, so poorly. Bad. He handled it so poorly. So, I think he's going to be there. Um, I don't I'm, think he makes the jump I mean, year. to me, Cliff Kingsbury got an NFL job after being a complete bust at Texas Tech. They hired him as the USC offensive coordinator. And then some team, which was the Arizona Cardinals said, I think that guy will be a good NFL coach. Let's bring him in. I, I can see a team making a decision. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's been so much better of a just winning percentage over yeah. the last six years or however long he's been a head coach that an NFL team will take a flyer and say, that offense will be really good in the NFL. We're going to surround him with, let's say, a team that's got a pretty good defense. They bring They bring him in and say, you handle the offense, and we've got this guy as our defensive coordinator, and he's staying because he's good and the, and the players are comfortable with him. And you run the offense, and let's, let's go win some games. That's what I was going to say. I don't think an NFL team, if they do take Lincoln, cares about his, quote, head coaching record or what he does. I think it's just like you. They're going to babysit him on purpose and fix one side of the ball, and they'll well, the GM about that, and everybody else will take care of maintaining a veteran defensive coordinator and a defensive staff. I think that Kingsbury is the exception that proves the rule. I'm going to stick with my prediction that I've held fast to early on. Lincoln will still be there in the 2024 season at USC. I don't think he gets that job. And one of the reasons is it's just tough to get an NFL job for a number of reasons. The right opportunity has to be there, and that opportunity has to come wanting you. I don't think there's any doubt about it that Lincoln Riley would take that job. But to the degree they're not going to baby, they're going to babysit him. They better know what they're getting because they're getting a guy you can't babysit. I think they're getting a guy who is a narcissistic, uh, near psychopath that I don't think you can a sociopath for sure. That I don't think you can in any way babysit him. Lincoln's so if you've got in a good tricky counsel, spot. 
you're you're dealing with somebody you can't babysit. Lincoln's in a tricky spot because I don't foresee very much success for USC over the next two seasons. Their schedule next year is unreal. So if you're so that that would lean towards make Maybe. a move if yeah. it comes available. If any move, any move, comes I think available. Lincoln takes any. Because he probably sees NFL job. now, maybe not. It's Lincoln Riley. He probably doesn't see for the reality that it is that they've got a big, big headwind. They got a mountain to climb against that Big Ten schedule. Plus, L- the, plus the, LSU. Plus and plus, plus everybody they've Dame. lost. Yeah, I mean every year there's what all the players six or lost. seven NFL jobs comes open. I mean that roughly. I think he's going to be on the list of at least three of those teams and has a pretty good. I'm going to say it's. 55% chance for me that he's in the NFL. So you say more likely. I'm, I'm close to Connor's number. I think it's very unlikely that he's anywhere but USC. And I would say there's probably, if I'm going to put it at 80% to get a round number that he's at USC, of that 20%, I would say almost half of that is that he's in another college program. And there's, you know, L.A. is a completely different market. And... There is so much heat out there. I, I mean, oh, did you see the L.A. Times there's article? There's not a single. Bill Plasky lit into him. Un- well, it was every paragraph. There's not a single former, you know, very high-profile USC guy that wants Lincoln anything to do around the The only thing that I will say that, that, that works in his favor there, and that is something that was in that article that I think is completely off-base, was he said it's a fan base that's very unforgiving. I totally disagree. I don't think that fan base is engaged. <laughs> they don't care. I don't think they care. No, I think I think a lot of the the misconception about the fan base is actually the media who and players and, former, and, and, yeah, and former, former players, players who voice their impatience and rightfully so. I mean, you have a Matt Leinart who is tweeting four times a game how bad the game is going or how bad he sees uh, the team being on the field. Matt Leinert's a, a relatively big figure in the, the landscape of, of football holistically. Well, no, because imagine, like, you know, people being a little bit unhappy with Lincoln. I mean, imagine Sam Bradford just blasting Lincoln Riley. Well, Twitter. that'd be more... But, no, uh, I'm just saying, but that's the yeah, equivalency. Right, that's like... That right. is except, a, except that Matt Leinert has a, has a voice and, and a, he has a, platform. a platform and everything. So find someone that... I like, has a platform a Baker. Now. Imagine a Baker. It's like Baker, if, if he was saying Venables is doing a bad job. Yeah. That's what yeah. it would be. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very close to that. Yeah, I mean, think how think how bad we all thought it looked. Which I mean, given we we have our own opinions here, but think how bad we kind of cringed at Joe Mixon standing up for Kale when Kale yeah. gets fired, right? Yeah. Joe has a pretty big platform. He's a, a renowned running back. He's still a dominant force in the NFL, and is outwardly outwardly speaking his uh, disapproval of the firing of Kale Gundy, and that's a court. That's a that's not even a coordinator. That's a position coach, position coach yeah. um, given his tenure I and mean, stuff, our, but still. Our loudest former player over the years has been Tony Casillas. And, you know, Bosworth. And he hasn't played for 40 years. Gerald McCoy, he's pretty big. If he, no, if I'm, he were I'm to come out and like say something. Coming out saying about the team. Negative things, Ca- Casillas yeah. would come out and talk negatively right. about the defense right. and stuff all the time. Right. Kind of blast on Lincoln, but yeah. again, that's a... 40 years ago. Sure, guy. he's an important guy, but he's, you know, kind of back here. Well, yeah. Current current players and Hall of, Hall of Fame type players well, that, that are... That really speaks to the program and just how... And it's, a, it's USC. It's Hollywood. That's how they're not one cohesive unit. They're just a lot of flash. So I think Lincoln Riley's a perfect fit for all of that. They just need to know who they are, and they got the perfect guy for it. Now, I hope no, he stays because 
Oh, I, I can't wait to watch them. The oh, I totally I, agree. It's, totally agree. It's going to be brutal. So some of my percentage might be in just where, that's where my heart <laughs> that is. That you want it to happen. I want yeah. it to happen. So um, one of the things, though, that I've heard, and I this is sort of grapevine rumor mill, is that Lincoln Riley's buyout is somewhere around $90 million. Now, I have no idea if that's real. We don't know because don't it's know a private it institution. Well, somebody knows. So none of his stuff came out when that, he got hired even. Right. It's not true public knowledge that we right. know. But the rumor is it's about $90 million. That's a really, really big check to write for anyone to decide, okay, I'm going to go get this guy, and I want to pay $90 million to get this guy, plus whatever I'm going to pay this guy, or I could go get somebody else who's relatively comparable, and I don't have to pay $90 million plus his salary. Unless they equally want it to happen, right? Yeah. If, if USC wants them out, and Lincoln, they, they and Lincoln can negotiate that out, down to $40 million. I'll say, okay. That I'm could. That could. could be. If I'm USC, I'm not giving any ground on that deal. I'm, I'm getting most every yeah. bit of that out of it. Because the second that, that, I mean, it's who moves first in that negotiation. But not if you want him out. You don't want him out that bad. You want $90 million. No, but for $30 million, if he's like, okay, no, I'll go take I don't think job. anybody. I don't think so. I think they sit back and wait. And whoever's that NFL job that, who thinks they're going to go get him, they're going to have to pay close to 90 because no, USC is smart. No NFL team will even smart touch that. No, they, and they won't even agree. Exactly. Them. And I think, and I that's think, why it's not going to happen. And that could be 50. USC but, might be like, man, what's, no, what's the USC's harm if we smart. just take 50? No, USC is smart. They're going to say, no, you obviously want him. And we just want keep 90. losing? And, no, and they'll, they'll take 80 or 70. But I think it's still I, a giant payday. And I think also. So is 50. I think and no one, no, 70, no NFL Last team, time I checked, 70 is more than 50. No NFL team will. I mean, they won't. No. They won't go over ten million dollars buyout for a coach, and so it ain't going to happen. Then it'd have to be stable. Yeah, and it I don't, I don't happen. think it'll happen. And also, I think that what you'll see, and I think you're already kind of seeing it with the Grinch firing, because I don't think Lincoln wanted to fire Grinch. I think you're going to see a lot more administrative oversight of Lincoln Riley. Okay, Jerry Jones might be dumb enough to do it. So. <laughs> there is a dumb enough owner. <laughs> okay, Trust me, okay. we can always find dumb enough owners. Well, so. the Washington Redskins, well, no, Washington Commanders. Commanders. <laughs> they uh, they've got a new owner, and he's he's going to be looking to make a splash. Yeah, but is yeah. that the splash you want to make? I mean, but the problem is, there's no palm trees in Washington, and Lincoln said that they move because of palm trees, and <laughs> his kids wanted to go to the beach. So outside of Sean McVay retiring, which. There's, there was talk going into this year that McVeigh was maybe going to be done and go into yeah. broadcasting because he had already won a Super Bowl. He was just – Check the boxes. Yeah, yeah. he was kind of like, well, I've done it all, essentially. Maybe I'll just go do broadcasting yeah. and all that. Lincoln could stay in his house well, in L.A. I mean, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's the Dolphins. Uh, Chargers. Jacksonville. Chargers going to need the somebody. Chargers need somebody. There's, house. there's jobs. Well, the Raiders already fired their coach. Yeah, Las I, Vegas is close. There's palm trees in Las Vegas. I've been there. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's not a beach, but maybe they could swim in the Mirage. Uh, Mandalay Bay, the, they could, the big beach they, they got there. Or they could swim in the Bellagio Fountain. Um, so, so I don't know. But um, so it, it's intriguing. I think that it's something that we have to really give some strong consideration to. Um, so, Jay, you have, a, you have a, a talking point you want to bring up? Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, what did you guys think about the fact that we have a projected first round offensive tackle, top twenty in a lot of mock drafts, not, not playing, who apparently was healthy enough to play, and we chose to run with Sexton just because he's playing that well. I mean, those two things don't add up. I don't think you see Tyler Guyton again this year, to be honest. I mean, after that, after that news came out where it it says where they said he's healthy and he was. 
ready to go. He was on the sideline in his uniform. But I, did he, he? He didn't get in the game, right? No. Like so, I mean, he he didn't, he got zero snaps. I I, I don't know. I, I think, could that be something he said? I think coming off his injury, he might have just told the coaches he shut it down to go to the NFL. That's that's what I think happened. I think I think that's I think that's the most feasible thing as well. The most uh, plausible <laughs> thing that that occurred as well. So. And I could definitely see this coaching staff saying, "Well, then you're Fine. definitely done. Okay. You're not getting any yeah. more playing time as well." So, which may not work work out great for him. I mean, projected to be first round, it's hard to argue about that. But I, projection I, and actually getting I there. I don't see two it. But I'm obviously not an NFL scout, but I have not seen any type of first round play. Nope. From anyone on the offensive line this year. Mm-hmm. I, would, yeah. I would tend to. And agree. it may be a, it may be a development thing. It may be a hey, this is a guy that we can bring in and coach up, and he. He has the size, he has the the skill set, and that's what they plan. But and may, and maybe maybe Guyton's just getting some bad information as well. I mean, maybe Guyton has people in his ear that well, yeah, you don't know, necessarily like, think that don't, don't necessarily know what they're they're talking. It about. It hasn't been a full evaluation yet, right? right. It's no. just been. I mean, if he gets drafted that high, it's strictly on potential and not on what he's done on the field, yeah. because it's going to be size and strength and speed that they that the NFL sees, but that. Under this terrible scheme that Levy runs, he's not being optimized for for his well, skill set. Well, he might set. not be optimized, but there's still just a lot of one-on-one that you've got to win and move your guy Yeah, in general as offensive lineman. Yeah. Um, and was, that was a really strange comment when Brent said, oh, no, Guyton was healthy. We just decided to go with Sexton. Yeah. I was like, wow. No one, no one has ever sat a first-round <laughs> offensive lineman because another guy's playing pretty good right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, you're putting first-rounders out there that are banged up because yeah. they're that big of difference right. makers, right? So, I don't know. That is interesting. It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of who gets the nod this week as well. Um, I mean, I, you got to assume it's Sexton, right? I mean. Now, here, I didn't – they probably won't do it, but um, I do think now you have – probably the better, more experienced offensive lineman, at least covering our blind side if, if Arnold's out there. Yeah. 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 Maybe that was another reason. Well, Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least for the part that part of the game. Because that's, that's even more to the point that we're talking about. If you have Guyton, who's the right tackle protecting a left-handed quarterback, and he's a, a, available to play, you're like, no, we're rolling with the freshman. <laughs> and you okay. kept, yeah. And, and then it's an easy decision in the second half when, Right. When your right is coming in to protect, you know, the, the reverse, you don't have to worry about the that side of it as much. Um, well, I don't know. A lot of this is up in the air. None of it is, is real certain. But you know what is certain? Locks of the week. The realest deal. Locks of the week. And the locks of the week, of course, are brought to you by Five Star Concrete. So if you've got a concrete need, I would encourage you to call Dave and Josh, our local business serving the metro area from patios, sidewalks, driveways, shops, and more. Call them or text them at 405-306-3014. You can look them up on Facebook at Five Star Concrete. Well, guys, all right. So last week, we had a couple guys make a little bit of a comeback. That would be me and Connor. We were two and one. Congratulations to us. Lucas, you kind of uh, let us down a little bit. You were only one and two. I'm sure that was all you're doing, right? It wasn't. There wasn't a team that, that kind of screwed you out of a game, was it? Nope, not at all. <laughs> okay. And then, Jay, you were one and two as well. well that's a huge improvement. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a group, we are 76, 79, and one for 
I'm at 40%, Jay, you're at 41%, Luke is at 56 and Connor at 59%. I mean, how is it? Is it that hard to kick an extra point, Iowa? I mean, really? <laughs> it's that hard to kick an extra point? <laughs> it, is, it is Iowa. It is Iowa. <laughs> it was that some degree of like offense or at least points. It's so, yes, that was part so of it. So maddening. <laughs> I would like the listeners to know that uh, I'm just not good at picking my locks. <laughs> Because I did go twenty and eleven on the thirty-one games that we That's we true. as a group do look at. I just can't seem to pick three <laughs> out of the twenty. So this week, did you go with random like I told you to? I told you just to pick all all of them and then just randomly select three games. You didn't do it, did you? No. I mean, <sighs> I've got too much confidence in what I can do. All right. Well, all right. well, tell me about your confidence, Jay. Who who you got? Okay, I am taking Iowa. Well, better hope they don't miss an extra point. Well, they're getting, I think it's up to two and a half. All right. From Nebraska. Which is crazy because Nebraska. Seems crazy. That's one of those lines that you're like, what is Vegas thinking? And then they win every I agree. time. I agree. Um, <laughs> it, now, that is a home game for Nebraska, right? Yes. 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 Yep. And I also Are believe. Are they going for bowl eligibility or anything in that game? No. They're, they're already there? I think. No, I don't no, think. No, no. They, Nebraska is. Oh, they Nebraska are? Is, Nebraska is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Five, Nebraska's five and six. Five yeah. and six. Yeah. So that is for bowl eligibility. I was and Iowa doesn't have a lot to play for. Well, no, well, yeah, they've already locked the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean they East have a, or West yeah, or whichever yeah, they one they're in. They, they're kind of in that weird legends no and heroes it, or whatever yeah. the hell they used to be called. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little bit away from what I normally do. <laughs> oh, there's a win coming. It's a win. I'm taking Toledo. Whoa, minus ten at Central Michigan. Okay. And then I'm going to take Mizzou minus seven and a half at Arkansas. All right. All right, Lucas, what do you got? Go ahead, Connor. Um, I've got uh, Lucas's locks of locks. Um, I think they let him down a little bit last week, but that's all right. I've got James Madison um, giving nine against Coastal. Um, Coastal's good. It's on the road, but I think James Madison bounces back after a disappointing loss last week. Kansas uh, giving five and a half to Cincinnati, and Iowa State getting ten and a half against Kansas State. All right. Lucas, you one? ready? Yeah. Iowa State. Oh. Okay. I've got Oregon minus thirteen and a half in the uh, what is that game called? Oregon Oregon State Civil War. Civil War. I got Oregon minus thirteen and a half in Civil War. I have LSU minus ten and a half against A and M. I just don't see how A and M is going to stop Jaden Daniels from. Scoring a bazillion points. I'm, right. I'm I with I don't you. think A&M can score. That that ten and a half looks very tempting. Everybody scores against LSU. Yeah, but A&M's really bad at football. Not a defense. Okay. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, I have the same pick as Connor with Kansas minus five and a half against Cincy. I liked that a lot more until Connor said he liked it, but <laughs> that's what I'm going with. All well, right. you're about to like it a lot less because I got Kansas <laughs> negative five and a half against Cincy. That's my number one. In all of my picks, that's by far the number one. And then I got Duke uh, giving six to Pittsburgh. And then I called an audible. I've got the Sooners giving ten to TCU. I like it. They're going to come out strong, home game. We've we've done really well against the spread, especially at home. Um, that line's moved two and a half I since like it, it started. I, uh, I it know. opened at 12 and a half. Nice and so in, in our favor. They're hey, betting but, it down. Those fools don't know what they're looking at. So those are the locks of the week. We'll see if we can... 
I can't get to positive numbers quite yet, but I can I can make big strides towards it, and hopefully we hopefully we get that Kansas game because that's going to be a big mover for yeah, all that, of us. That'll that, affect that'll the whole be, group. <laughs> that will affect well almost the whole group unless Jay wants to make a change. <laughs> no, good, good, good. We don't want you to make that change. Yeah, we don't want you on the hard side of it. <laughs> well, let's talk about this game coming up, and specifically about our score predictions. Um, I looked it up. TCU. Against the pass, at least on yards per game, they are defensively eighth in the conference. Offensively, they're number two in passing yards per game. For you know, for whatever it's worth, yards per game that, that's kind of a a stat you can you can overemphasize. As far as the run goes, they are sixth defensively and they are tenth offensively. So it's it's kind of clear they're a passing oriented team. It's going to really challenge our um, DBs. Gentry, do we? Is he going to play? He's practicing. I hope so. So I sure hope so. It's yeah, a big we'll difference see. maker it's if he can play. That he plays. I'm counting on him playing for my lock of the week. Um, you know, they're sort of middle of the pack in terms of defense, pass, and run. So that opens up potentially whatever you need to do. Um, you you can't just pick on a weakness. You just kind of go and execute your offense. And when have we done that? Anyway? Take what they get. Yeah, yeah. True. True. We've done it a couple times at home and, and against very weak opponents as well. But, um, you know, we did against West Virginia. We did against Iowa State. We'll see if we can pull it off again. Um, I'll lead the, lead the charge here. I've got the Sooners 56, the Horn Frogs 24. Wow, wow that's a lot of points. I'll go next. Uh, I, will, I also have us covering. I've got OU 35, 24. I think we bounce back pretty well. I have OU 34. With Zach Schmidt kicking a couple field goals to get some confidence. Mm. And Maybe we'll get into a midseason form. TCU 28. All right. 34-28. Jay, what do you got? Going 38-34 OU. Okay. All right. So we all got the Sooners winning. Um, you got a really tight one, Jay, obviously. You think uh, so that I can definitely see that. I, it would not surprise me if we are in a dogfight, if we are giving up a lot of points. Um, get behind our defense a couple times. At the same time, I could see us coming out and having sort of a prototypical senior day performance. Um, I'm really hoping that best their freshman quarterback has some problems. He he's looks great the last couple games. Um, Hoover, he he's a he's a runner and a thrower. Um, he's got some wheels to him, which typically over the years gives us a problem, and obviously gives everybody in college football problems when the quarterback's a dual threat. So, yeah, I'm hoping that there's a couple of freshman mistakes in there because our defense does capitalize. We've had tons of turnovers this season, more than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, um, the turnover margin. We had you know a couple bad games with the Kansas and and OSU as far as turnovers go, <clears throat> but we've taken care of the ball pretty well most of the season, and our defense has done a great job on turning the ball over. You and, know, that's probably and turnover on downs too, which those stats. I've always wondered, you know. Why don't they count that? I mean, it's technically a turnover, even though it's not, you know, a fumble or an interception. But those are just as important on a, stopping a team on fourth down, especially in, in today's college football when teams are on their own 45 and it's fourth and two. And they're going And for they're it. going for it. And if you stop them there, that's just as good as them throwing from the 25 and you intercepting the ball on the 40. Yeah, we're, great we're number two in the country in interceptions. I mean, we're that's one, We're one so, interception behind Liberty. They have 19, we have 18. So we essentially have 1.64 interceptions a game. I think all of that is very important. I think that's a great point, Lucas. And that's without Gentry and Williams playing for what, right. a third of the season. He's Who started games. off as our 
leader of the team in interceptions. Yeah, and definitely yeah. our best DB. So I think that's a great point and probably an underappreciated one, one we probably should have been emphasizing more in post games and, and, and elsewhere. One other thing I'll say to our, to our um, kind of attribute which would be we defensively create turnovers. When you stop somebody on downs, that's a creation of a flipped field and a turnover. If you get, and, and the contrast would be the way we've given the ball up, we are not getting a creation of turnovers as much as we're just fumbling it away, pun intended. Yeah. We are hiking the ball into our, into our feet or into a running back's hands inadvertently. We're doing things that are just big bonehead mistake turnovers. The defense isn't really doing much to create that. It's just landing in their lap. And we, to our attribute, are doing a really good job of creating turnovers. So I, you know, turnovers can be random, turnovers can be created in some degree of each. Defensively, we've done a great job creating turnovers. Offensively, we've shot ourselves in the foot with turnovers we didn't have to have. And obviously they cost us in two losses in key positions. So um, this may be the tale of the rest of the season, including the TCU game, or at least if we can cover, do we actually um, get the turnover margin we we would like to see in our favor, even if we're even if there's no turnovers, that probably works to our advantage. If we turn the ball over in key positions the way we have, I don't think my score is going to look very true. I think it's going to hurt us a lot, and we may be in a dogfight uh, long into the game. It, it's really a tale of when we've succeeded this season and when we haven't, what the turnovers have done. Unlike a USC to bring them up last year, who got turnovers that landed in their lap, and I think gave them a record exceeding how good they were and how well they played. We were doing well and winning by creating turnovers in the right positions, and then we've done poorly and lost games we shouldn't have lost by just giving the ball away in key positions. Well, and, and we're, when we turn the ball over, are we scoring off of those turnovers as well, right? Right. I mean, we've, we've and we seen, did last week. Last week yeah. we had 21 points off of three turnovers. Yeah, and we've seen time and time six. again where, yeah, one was a pick six, and time and time again where we are getting the turnover that we need in a crucial point, and, and we're we not can't doing put anything. Points with on the board, it. After yeah. It. So in I mean, fact, we stall out really quickly. Exactly. So OSU a, a case in point. Kansas as well. I mean, so uh, yeah. So I think all of that is is really key, and turnovers are a great important part of the game. Where do we stand in the interception rankings? Are he, we was just, second, he was just second. Saying, you just yeah, said second, okay, I missed yeah. that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So so really strong. Let's hope we can continue that. We'll see. I think we're going to have to pound the rock. Um, TCU does have a good pass defense. Their rush defense is, they allow about 170 yards a game, just barely behind like West Virginia. And we ran it 40 something times for like 215 yards against West Virginia. And I would suspect that on that game, I think Gabriel was accredited with 11 or 12 carries. And I think if Jackson Arnold has 12 or 15 carries, it can be a significantly more yards than what Dylan Gabriel gets. Yeah, it really could. One of the things that comes to mind there is that un among all the unfortunate things for Dylan Gabriel, he is pursuit of the record books got thwarted by this injury um, and looks like it, you know, it's going to be really tough for him to advance much. Uh, that's unfortunate, but, and this could be a real game where some numbers get posted for sure. 
Um, I mean, he's but, still inside the top ten of all time. Oh, it's great. That, that's a great achievement. Oh, absolutely. But he just he could have been even better. Right. It's unfortunate. You know, we talked about he could get to six. Yeah. If he just had three good games in a row. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is unfortunate. Now, obviously, we I can't. And we can just say it. There's no jinx in it. Just like we're hoping for help, and we could still get into the Big Twelve championship. It's it's definitely a backdoor situation at this point, but it could happen. Things things can happen that are funky. Um, it's, it's weird. I feel the most confident in the game that by point spread would be the most lopsided. That BYU? is, I think BYU can beat yeah. Oklahoma State. But there's the most volatility in those teams as opposed to a Texas. Texas can lose to Texas Tech. It can happen. Iowa State could beat Kansas State. It could happen. But in terms of the, the team that you would expect to have the most chance to have a big, really – Great performance, really bad performance, volatility-wise. It's got to be Oklahoma State among those mentioned, I feel like. So I do wish that game was in Provo. I think it would lend a that little bit That would change of, uh, everything, yeah. uh, for sure. And that's probably, I mean, that that could be, I don't know if that's even more than a five-point swing. That Just might be so Gordon couldn't maybe a seven-point. Seven yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's been field. gimpy. I mean, he injured his ankle during us, came back in and played well. I've, Obviously, but yeah, we, we, it's um, hard to get a read on him. If he just is a guy who every time he doesn't have a good play, he limps off the field for some yeah. psychological reason, or if and he B, is, BYU played beat us up. a little dirty last week. I, I showed the guys some video of multiple times when I was doing the rewatch when our player gets tackled and as he's on the ground, the BYU BYU guys dive bombing him to hit him with their body weight after the play's over with. Nothing got called, but I had three such examples on video that I showed him. Elder and, Smith would never and, be okay with that. And they also um, they also knocked their quarterback out. So not not dirty at all. But I'm just saying. But on that play, if, if OSU, there was something dirty on that. Yeah, play. Yeah, a guy kicked him in the head after, after, after the, the tackle was, was made. Yeah. yeah. But um, OSU's one play away from Bowman going down, and they're screwed at backup because yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Rangel and Gundy aren't. Yeah, they man. don't have Jackson Arnold. It. They do not have Jackson Arnold to come in. I don't in. like Gundy under pressure either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mike so, Coach. Mike yeah. Gundy, yeah. Not not wishing anything upon uh, Bowman to get hurt or Ollie Gordon. But it's always but a risk. It, but for as well as BYU played against us last week, obviously a lot of that was our doing by just not playing well. But if OSU gets one injury to either one of those guys, it completely changes their offense, and they would definitely be in trouble. And they play on Saturday where the weather's looking a little more dicey. Um, looking colder, looking like, I guess early on there's a chance of flurries that's kind of coming and going as far as the forecast goes, but weather could play a factor in, in all of that for sure. Um, BYU, may BYU. Not, yeah. BYU may not know what to do, not slipping all over the place. Right, they may they, have traction like crazy. Yeah, they, they may be like, heck, we can fly all over the place of <laughs> the ball because we can actually keep we're, our feet. We're used to slip and sliding, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, I know we all laugh about it and you can't do transitive property, but, you know, as we mentioned before, BYU did go out and beat Arkansas. Yeah. On the road. And yeah. I don't know that – I mean, Missouri is only a seven and a half. They're the number nine team in the country. They're only favored by seven and a half mm-hmm. against Arkansas. So, Arkansas is not probably as bad as their record shows. Yeah. That's a good road win yeah. for BYU. It is a good road win. So There's hope. It can happen. There's hope. Um, I don't even want to talk about the scenarios of what might happen if it's a Texas-Oklahoma State and who Nobody I'd knows. have to root for and all that. But I'll have to write it um, <laughs> Saturday evening. They'll be, like, crunching numbers. Yeah, it'll be all the coaches meeting Dallas for a coin flip yeah. or something. Yeah. It'll look like the uh, Galifianakis <laughs> meme where he's coming down the, ele- the escalators and he's just trying to do the, the math in his head real quick. Well, 
We, we just have to go out and finish strong. Let's get a 10-2 and two record um, to close out the season and go get a solid bowl berth wherever that lands us and be happy with that and build for the future. I think that's what a lot of the, the theme of this pod has been is build for the future. It's a lot of what we've been talking about really ever since the losses. Now, according that we win this game, I think there's been really just two basic bowl matchups that it looks like with possibilities. An Alamo versus most likely an Arizona. I know there's another scenario where maybe an Oregon could drop that far. Or Oregon State. Oregon State. And the other interesting one was if we do make a New York Six New Year or Six. New Year Six bowl in the Cotton Bowl, it could be Alabama. That would be spicy. With a loss to Georgia, obviously. Mm-hmm. That would be phenomenal. That would be very interesting. Does that and involve Texas making the, the playoff? playoff? Probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it does. So that would be that would be very interesting. I think would Whereas the loser it, of the Big Twelve? Sorry, would the loser of the Big Twelve not be in the Cotton Bowl? We'd be ahead of them, wouldn't we? So, By let's ranking. say it's, if it's Texas OSU. Oh, they can probably pick at that point. Yeah, I think and they're going to pick Oklahoma. Oklahoma. If it's Texas it's pick, OSU yeah. in the championship game, they'll pick. Texas wins. Let's they'll, say they yeah they back to win the playoff, which I God I would hate to see that. But they would but in that I know, scenario. I, I but, think they'll be fourth, and I think Georgia will murder them. So then the then the Cotton Bowl would have the choice between the next Big Twelve team. They'd take OU, and yeah. they they would take OU uh, over yeah. OSU. Yeah. So if it's their choice, and you know, you look at the different scenarios. So Florida State is obviously not a team without their quarterback who should be in the playoff. They will be in the playoff if they win. They're supposed to win, but narrowly against Florida. They still um, have still got a little and, they, game. and they still have the championship yeah. game. Yeah, that's true. That'll that's be true. a tough matchup. That's true. That'll be a tough matchup. So then you've got who, who's really in contention is what I'm getting at is the winner most likely of Ohio State, Michigan, the winner of the championship between championship game between Washington, Georgia and Alabama Oregon. and Washington and Oregon. That's not set. And only well, I know it's not set. Okay. None of these are okay. set. But well, I'm saying Georgia Alabama set. Georgia yeah. Alabama set. Beats but they're Oregon not guaranteed State, to be there. That one's set. I'm assuming that Georgia beats Georgia Tech and that Alabama beats Auburn. And only one of those teams is going to get in. Only one of those teams in the Pac-12 is going to get in. That's, only one of the teams in the Big Ten is going to get if in. If Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's still in. No way. The, I, Texas I, is in over them. If Texas wins, if Texas no, wins all the way, I don't think yes. So. Texas's argument would be: We beat Alabama. Who beat you? I, I, it would be a tight race, but if I'm a voter, I'm putting, by, by record and what they did, I'm putting Texas in over Georgia. Based on, strength over of Georgia schedule, Bama? Over Georgia. Over Bama, for sure, because Bama well, because has beat two them, losses. Right. Well, they'd right. have two losses. Right, but if, if the if SEC... If Bama wins it all, it wins, wins the, wins wins the SEC, they're in. Got no it. doubt about it. Then so and, is Texas. Well, then, then, then and then so is Texas. I'm taking Georgia over, over Texas. Georgia. No, I'm taking Georgia. I take, why, Texas' why would strength of schedule is so much stronger than Georgia's. It's not even close. And they're a conference champion. And they're a conference champion. What I mean, what's their strength of schedule? They beat They beat Alabama. They beat, they beat Alabama, Oklahoma. Of course. Who did Georgia? Nope, they play? didn't beat Oklahoma. They lost. Well, they Oklahoma. played Oklahoma. So but so the, their next best win is Kansas State. And and Oklahoma State, who would be in They didn't play Oklahoma State. They the will in the championship. Well, yeah, they would have the championship. So that is stronger than what Georgia's played. It'd be tight, but I think I they get know. the nod over I bet there. in that case it's Bama, Georgia. Michigan, Ohio State winner, and Washington. Washington. You now, may have a couple one-loss teams. Now, Oregon. Now, Florida State wins. They're in, and they shouldn't be. Right now, if, but they should be. If, if Oregon beats case, Washington, a one-loss one Ohio State. 
If Oregon, yeah, they've yeah, got a good schedule. They've, Ohio State has a stronger case than Georgia. Probably. If in that Oregon case. beats, State wins yeah. Oregon beats Washington, I could see Texas going in over Oregon. No. I, uh, yes, I see that. Because both of them would have one loss. Yeah, I see that. But I'm saying um, – what, what, what if there's like six one-loss teams? Could be. It might oh, be. And if, and if might you're be. looking at it, like Jay just said, that's a good point. If you're a voter and you're in that room as a voter, as a part of the committee, and you're saying, who am I going to put in? And do I put in Georgia, who just lost their championship, Texas, who won it, or Ohio State, who didn't play for it? And okay, here you go, Ohio right State has a better record and Texas has a be- the same record. I don't think Georgia can get in. So Jeff Sagarin, who was one of the computer systems that used to be used BCS. for the BCS formula, so currently, right now, he has uh, Georgia's schedule rank is 61st in the country. Texas's is second. Wow, it's tight it's, with the strength it's of Bama. Very strong, but, well, but all of it. It's, does that count them playing Bama though? Because that game hasn't happened. Right, yet. that hasn't happened yet. But, but they're not going to jump. They're I mean, not going to jump 60 places. No. Right. They're, they're, they're always going to be way behind They might jump them to 40 or something. Now, honestly, honestly, you know, this is just one computer system, but um, Texas and Kansas State, so this just shows the strength of the league by the computers at least. Kansas State is being shown as having the eighth toughest schedule in the country. Everyone around them is in the 50s, 60s, high 40s. I'm talking the Oregons, the Ohio State, the Michigan States, et cetera. So the computer, at least this one, likes the Big Twelve. Likes the Big Twelve a lot. Crazy. I mean, what is what is Georgia's best win? Missouri. 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 Yeah, Missouri. Tennessee. Tennessee yeah, at Tennessee. Yeah, that Tennessee's was a blowout. Falling. I mean, when you, when you factor in Ole Miss, when, you know how big they Miss, won in some of those games on the road. They and how how about how what little if, they won by? So, in so you're saying games. they lose to Bama on a last second field goal and they're out of the playoffs? Is what you're saying? I'm saying it would be I don't think the voters go that way. I'd say, I'd say They've been be number one the battle. whole season. I don't see them dropping I think. Four. Well, there's two two things I'm thinking. One is I'm thinking what I think they'll do, and two, what they now, should do. I don't see how you put Georgia in I think in their losses, if we, win, if we win our game, I think Texas's and Georgia's loss is equal. Right. Because... I mean, I mean, we'll be Alabama a top ten. We'll be a top ten team. That's yep. that's a pretty much a wash. Right. Bama's and then the seven fact that you, and at. then the fact that you've got Texas beat Alabama head to head. Right. You you just. Yeah, I think you have to leave Georgia out. It'll be great. I mean, that that's a perfect. Unless I mean, we should make Oregon some out. midweek predictions next Georgia week. Georgia could replace yeah. Oregon. Or yeah. When is the um, when is the college football playoff committee final standings? Is it Sunday. Tuesday? Sunday. It's the Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. the championship game. Yeah, next yeah. Sunday. So there'll be we, one more we Tuesday. We may have to do an emergency pod. <laughs> yeah, we might. Isn't that bowl selection show too? Yes. That's the whole yeah. thing? Yeah, it's all yeah. the whole yeah. thing. So, now, all of that said, we know college football and some goofy crap will happen. Yep. And it hasn't Washington State will beat Washington. <laughs> um, Al- or Auburn will beat Alabama. It will get so easy for them and the, all the all the dominoes will fall the way they need to. But I mean, it, you, you look one, right now, this is a great season to have had the 12-team yep, playoff. that's exactly Oregon, what I was Oregon's thinking. Oregon's a media darling, but Oregon honestly hasn't done anything this mm-mm, year. Mm-mm. They've lost to the only really good team they've played. And, and didn't look great doing it. No, and they It was an ugly game. I, I'm trying to think. They might have one top 25 win or something. I mean, it's right. not that good. No, it's not. Oregon could be left out for Georgia. Well, they would have avenged yeah. their loss if That's they true. beat Washington in the title game. I would be closer to, if I'm a voter, from what we're saying, I'd be closer to putting Georgia in over Oregon than Georgia yeah, in over Texas. I agree. The problem is there probably won't be an open spot to do it. 
because Florida State will figure out a way to, to be undefeated, and Michigan or, or Ohio State will be undefeated, and okay, let's do that. the let's winner do that. of the SEC will, will be in. And so now you've got one team between Texas, the winner of Washington, Oregon, and the Georgia, in this theoretical yeah. scenario, Georgia having gotten beaten by Alabama. And, and the you, loser of the Michigan and Ohio State game. Yep. Yeah, and that and you're right, <laughs> with a one loss. Yeah. It's real hard to put Georgia in in that case. But it's, it's, it is the most but important Georgia wins out, it, it takes just, care of that, it just matters that one more. for them. It does. It, and, 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 and honestly, it's hard to say, but it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia comes in and just completely handles Alabama at the same time. Alabama, they've gotten their stuff together. If they played Texas today, they would beat Texas. I, I think they're a seven-point favorite. But then again, they were really pathetic at that point in the season. They may still not be that great. They still might not have their offense figured out, and we may be looking at Alabama and seeing the A and thinking the elephants and not realizing they're actually not that good of a team. Yeah, yeah and Georgia's peaking just perfectly. The perfect time for Georgia to peak. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wish we were talking about OU and OU scenarios and how OU could be in there. Um, Think how crazy these pods will be next year with the 12-team playoff. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I mean, we maybe we could be talking about a playoff game in Norman right now. It's yeah, that's we would be right would in this be scenario. Right we would be talking. We'd about, be totally in the hunt. Yeah. There is a little bit of dilution to the regular season games to a degree. True. Oh, definitely. But when you add the fact of, do I really need to win this conference championship game, or do I need, like, is it better that maybe we're not in the conference championship game? We can back backdoor in. No, you want that. Playoff home game. Yes, bad. you do. It is very really important. bad. Well, you, really want bad. The, you want the or the buy. You, you want the buy. Yeah. yeah, you want the buy. So Georgia would be playing for a buy for sure if they win, right? If they win out, and so that's huge. That's that's enormous. It'll be. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's, it's gonna be so really fun. really good. It's be freaking Absolutely insane. electric. Yep. Our first OU home playoff game. It'll happen at some point. I hope it doesn't happen for several years because I hope we get the buy every year <laughs> for the first four. But it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really oh. can't even. Can you imagine? I, I can't. I, I, I can't. can't. All of a sudden, Michigan's coming to town. No, I at eleven o'clock. Oh, man, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we won't be having to deal with that crap anymore. <laughs> and it's just one more reason all these lesser leagues and lesser teams are just not going to be relevant. That's who. When you talk about the the regular season and it being robbed away from it, that's who it's going to get robbed away from. No one's going to care. No one's going to care at all about what's going on because it's inconsequential, whatsoever. Well. We'll be here for the post game. We'll be talking about how consequential the big Sooners victory over TCU is. Until then, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.